Hey friends, so we're diving into the world of dairy cows today. We have a cow that just had a calf and we are learning the process of milking and wanted to kind of share our journey with you on what that looked like. So take a listen. Hey friends! Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, so Lacey, we started milking Liesl or the idea of milking Liesl when we first got her. And um, that was what, two years ago, we got the idea that eventually she would have a calf. And we would milk her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she's a dairy breed, so it seems only natural to milk her. Right. And we, um, I would say we were getting ready to go out of town and we, she started getting some udders. Mm-hmm. This is like fast forward two years. And we kind of posted to all the internet experts and everybody was like, oh, you have like three weeks or so. So we were like, all right, well, we've got three weeks. Let's, uh, when we get back, we'll start figuring out how to milk her. And that's um, not how I remember it. Yeah, it was different. We got back from vacation and our udders were full, essentially when we landed the plane. And one of our children sent us a text with a picture and said, oh, these are bigger before we got home. And that picture got forwarded to our experts. And that's when we were told three weeks or so. Okay, Um, maybe that was it. And yeah, I mean, no one knows. So there's like no harm, no foul. But we did not have three weeks. No. We certainly didn't. Within 24 hours, that calf was born, I think. Yeah. And our initial thought on it was that we were going to take her into the barn and milk her. And so we got, um, we kind of had to scramble because, you know, we thought we had some time. So we built a head gate. Mm. The kids and I spent like a day building a head gate in the barn. And then we um, we went out and bought a milk bucket because you got to have that to get the milk. And um, then we went and got her, built a laneway to take her down to the barn. And um, the idea was that she was going to go straight in the barn, straight in the head gate, and we were going to milk. Yeah, our management style is not really catered to any kind of regimented routine with the animals. Because while we have the barn, these cows have never even been in the barn. (laughs) They've gone around it, but they've never actually gone in it. And that's because they're, you know, constantly in movement around the property doing this you know, regenerative grazing thing. So there's no like cow right outside the barn, walk to the barn situation. We don't feed them at all, um, except for the grass. So, and hay when we need hay in the winter. So they're not accustomed to us hand feeding or alfalfa or any of the things, grain, um, which just to put that in perspective, we were at the county fair last year. And I may have said this on another podcast because we were all dumbfounded, our children especially. Um, but we were watching the dairy exhibit where they talk about how dairy cows are raised and reared and taken care of. And um, they shared that each dairy cow eats 100 pounds of grain a day. Uh, and our kids load a lot of grain or he- not grain, really, but um, feed, feed. Yeah. for chickens and all the different poultry that we've had, especially. Um, so they know what 50 pounds weighs <laughs> and then thought that two 50 pound bags is given to a cow every day. It was just unfathomable. I mean, they they just were shocked. Um, but you have to realize that those cows get zero grass. So 
uh, that's, that's, that's their all their only, food. Their only yeah. food. Um, but anyway, so that's like, you know, what product are you even getting at the end of that? First of all, you feed them all this grain. If you don't know, we're into raw milk. So then you pasteurize that milk, you know, like just what are you even getting from these cows? I don't, I don't know. It's not what, um, cows were designed to make. That's for sure. Lots of inputs and manipulations and, um, productivity enhancements and whatnot. So yeah, careful what you drink, but back to the point. Um, yeah, so we were excited to potentially have milk from this cow. We get really great raw local milk. Um, so we're not as committed to this need to supply our family. Um, you know, we have access. However, it would be great to supplement and be able to make more of the things like cheeses and yogurts and um, butter and all the things that we dairy related that we can't afford to make with that raw milk that we're sourcing from um, our local farmers. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough place to be because it's not a desperate situation, but we have this cow and we're moving this cow around. Yeah. And now we're having this conversation with her like, uh, you're going to have to give us something or you're going to have to go because we can't just afford a giant cow pet on the property. So you're jumping a little bit to the end. We're going back and forth. Yeah. So we got her to the barn um, and it ended up being like, you know, I had this idea of we'll take her in the barn and shove her in the barn. Lacey had this idea of like gentle kind of kind approach. And um, I don't know, for those of you that are couples that, you know, work together with your partner on the farm, there's sometimes uh, ideas clash or ideas aren't Mm -hmm. talked about as they should be. And um, I always laugh thinking about like, there's like this meme about, you know, someone gets to heaven and they're about to enter and um peter at the pearly gates is like you can enter heaven except you're not gonna be able to because of what you said while you were working cows <laughs> and and I, I feel like that sometimes i know some very down-to-earth people that admittedly um don't handle working cows that well when you know when it comes to push comes to shove literally <laughs> <laughs> but so we um we tried all kinds of things to get her in the va- barn and she eventually kind of came in the barn and um, I guess over days we started feeding our grain in the barn. Mm-hmm. Alfalfa and sweet feed is what we were using. Yeah. So not really grain as you would normally feed a cow, I suppose. Um, but yeah, just putting a little bit at a time in a trough on the other side of the head gate. And then um, so we've got the advice that you have to essentially close the head gate and keep it closed until they stop pulling. So you have to uh, trap a thousand pound or more <laughs> pound animal in a head gate and then like hope that they don't break it, hope mm-hmm. that they don't hurt themselves. And um, it it was insane to mm-hmm. see this happen. And, you know, my thought was, OK, we'll get her in there. She'll pull. She'll realize she can't get out. And then like, that'll be it. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll have to do it one more time. But yeah, yeah, maybe we should backtrack, too, because I think one of the issues was the day that we we knew we were going to have to milk because the baby was born. And so there was this urgency to build the head gate and like a like a stanchion set up. And I was sick that day. So Drew and the kids worked hard and found all the lumber on our property and built this um, really nice setup with the like platform and the head gate and everything. Um, and I wasn't there to offer any of my personal thoughts at the time. And I think that's where the conflict really started was. 
my thoughts on how it should be built were different than what he found on the internet that they said they should happen. And so then we could see when she got there. So he built a nice like wooden platform so that she could step onto it and it could be cleaned and it would just be a little bit more sanitary. But that was the first thing that freaked her out. So, you know, going in the barn was one. So the second thing, I guess, was really stepping on that wood because she's never stepped on wood before a day in her life. And so it makes this wholly different sound. Um, It doesn't, she doesn't have the grip that she has on regular grass. She would like bring her hose up to the wooden platform and then like tap her front foot on it and Mm -hmm. it would make that sound. And then she would like step backwards. Mm -hmm. It it was kind of And And my thought is like, why did we build a platform? Because she's like, it's just one more thing. But that's what people on the internet say they do. And, you know, like I don't, it seems like it makes sense. Yeah, you want to be able to sweep it off and clean it. But it is. it just became this, like, other layer of confusion for her. And maybe she, if she had, if we'd been feeding her grain in that situation for a while, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. I think also, too, like, animals influence other animals. So we don't have another milk cow. And so she doesn't see it happening and doesn't, you know, have those conversations with the right. other milk cows yeah. in their milky cow language about how, oh, no, no, this is okay. It doesn't hurt. You know, like, yeah. just get it over. You'll get more grain. You'll get more whatever goodies at the end. And um, so that's not happening. We don't have any, like, so I think, like, there's these benefits to having multiple animals that you don't really know until um, until you realize. You know, like if you have two dogs, the one dog learns from the other dog. I think that's true of all the animals. And you always know, too, that your herd is as bad as your worst animal. Like your worst animal is the worst, you know, the influencer, the one who um, who does, who makes all the calls. And we've seen that with sheep, too. It's like if we just got rid of that sheep or if we just got a really docile sheep, then all the sheep would follow that one around. Um, and I think that might be true with cows, too. But yeah. we just. We don't have that. Well, right somebody now. said to me, they're like, you know, generally people start with a cow that's been trained mm. and then buy a heifer to go with that one. So like you said, so that they can learn as they're growing up that that's like the process, which I was like, well, you know, that's not how we do things. <laughs> <laughs> no, the harder, the better. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so she didn't like getting on the wood. She's never seen another cow do this process. She is her first baby, too. So she's, you know, doing really well with that. But even the initial letting the baby suckle was like, no, I don't think so. And then, I mean, of course, she caught on. But uh, that was a little touch and go for a minute. Yeah. Now she's a great mom. Oh, but, she is. Yeah. And I think like that was just, I don't know. It, it, it's like, it's funny because if it would have been a lamb, I would have been like, hey, we'll give it a couple of days, you know, watch, mm-hmm. make sure. But like, because it was our first calf, I'm like, oh, no, like. You know, in the first 20 minutes of it hitting the ground, like something's wrong. We have to fix it instead of like just being like, well, it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah. And then like in the process of all of this, our loggers call in <laughs> that we talked to like nine months ago. And they're like, hey, we're coming out in three days. We'll talk about that more on the next yeah. episode. <laughs> so it's like they have to drive right past the barn where we're trying to talk her into going into every day. So, um. We set up a paddock on the other side of the barn, and um, if you don't know, a dairy cow goes through, like, three times the amount of grass that, like, a Dexter, which is our other cows, goes through. So we're, like, trying to reserve grass for her, let her have enough grass to stay alive and be healthy, but not eat up all the grass around the barn, because then she's too far away from the barn for us to, like, keep the habit of her coming to the barn. Mm -hmm. Plus, that needs to be grass for everybody (laughs) right (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. And I think that, you know, adding that layer of regenerative, you know, grazing is, it's extra, right? Like, right. so we just have all of these things working against us. And I think it gives us this opportunity to say, okay, you know, really calling back on that holistic context of what is it that we really want out of this situation? And we don't want to be strapped to a cow that we have to milk twice a day. So that was never on the table. We we're always going to calf share. We we're always going to keep it simple. We did this with the goats when we milked them. Like if we don't want to milk, then it's generally okay. Just leave the calf with the, the mama. Um, and, you know, that's the setup that we need. And we thought, I think going into it, it would be more of a laid back uh, process, yeah. procedure yeah. to get from, you know, like not milking to milking. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Are we up to date? Where are we going from here? Well, I mean, I think like now we're at the point where we had to go out of town again, unexpectedly. So we put her back with the main herd. She's hanging out there. We're not building any kind of habit anymore. Um, and we have to figure out like, you know, there's like all these things. Of course, you join like the dairy cow groups and then they're like, you know, milk her in the field, put a collar on her, use a halter. She has to be in a head gate. It should be a wooden floor. It should be a mud floor. Like, and everybody is like dead set that their way is the only well, yeah, way. Yeah, I'll do say it. that there's a lot of great cow people out there and like helpful people, and everybody really, you know, is encouraging on one hand. But then you have like 50% of the people who are like, there's really only one way to do this. And right. if you're not doing it that way, then we're, we, we should, we should call PETA. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, as farmers, we've learned pretty surely the one thing that's true is that no one thing is true. Like it, it's different depending on personality of the animal. It's different depending on, again, your context. And, you know, like there's just so many things to take into account. And it's this big puzzle all the time. Um, and I'll say that I think it's fair to say that we did just get back into town this weekend. Um, and we still haven't solved this puzzle. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like one of the best pieces of, uh, we've gotten a lot of really good advice, but the mm -hmm. one thing that I think has really stuck out with me is our good friend, Steven, who said, you know, he's like a zookeeper and he said, you have to build like this trust bank, like this relationship with the cow. And generally we treat our animals like livestock. There's kind of like a, it's not, I don't know. It's not a give and take relationship as much as like a they're animals and we're people and they do their thing and we do our thing, but we're having to like with interact with Liesl. Yeah. We have to now it has to be like, she has to trust us. It's no longer um, a wild animal. Like we sort of like we're helping uh, manage yeah. the wild animal. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, she has to, she's now a family member. <laughs> right. So she has to become a pet essentially. Yeah. Um, and when he said that, you know, like that kind of clicked for me. I think Lacey was already on that page, but for me, it was it was something that. Well, was, I think for me, was it was helpful. sort of the opposite. Like I just didn't trust her, and I was not about to push and pull her. But you were more ready to do that, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going to have to work up to her being willing to do this of her own accord because I have. Uh, I hope it's a healthy respect or terror of this giant beast that could at any moment change her mind and you know, kick me or step on me or whatever she would want to do. Yeah. And I don't, I can't pretend like I have control over that situation. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think actually in, in my understanding of how we've been dealing with her, like we tried the headgate thing. And honestly, I think that that was a, that was a detriment to our, pr our progress. I think it made her distrust us 
a hundred percent. Right. She didn't trust us. She didn't, no longer. She did it for two or three days, and we would like kind of walk her in there, and then uh, and it would it did get shorter. So I thought we had made some headway <laughs> in the head um, in the headgate, but then she quit going in the barn altogether after that. She well, went. and then well. Yes and no. She wouldn't come to the head gate, but then we started feeding her on the other side of the head gate because our barn, you can walk in either side. Mm -hmm. And we kept feeding her in the same trough and she started eating out of that trough. I would whistle for her. She would come running up there, eat out of that trough. Mm -hmm. And then before we left for town, I started working with her coming back to the stanchion side to stand on there to eat. And she was. Mm-hmm. But she was very reluctant to stick her head through the head gate. So we're well, kind of and, back. Yeah, to I mean, that I spot. have friends who are like, yeah, we just milk in the field and we just, you know, we rotate our animals. So we just go out with a bucket and we milk her where she is just on a leaf. And in my mind, it's like, well, that might be our best option because we have, you know, we have this rotational thing going on. So maybe that's our best fit. But then there's no head gate in that situation. Um, there's no way to stop but, her from leaving. And the truth is, like, we've, you know, we can squeeze milk out of her udders as long as she's standing still. She really doesn't mind us doing that, but she walks. So we have the joke that if we could just milk her while she's walking and, like, create a cart or something. Yeah, like a little sidecar. Yeah. If you're out there and you've made and one, you made let one. us know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, we just need her to stand still for the period of time that it takes to milk. And, yeah, yeah we can't. We, I don't know. We're not there yet. So. But, I mean, you know, one of our good friends, uh, Matt, that's had dairy forever, he's like, you know, this can take a long time. This can take, like, five weeks of trying. I think we're on, what, week two? Uh, maybe I think it's week like three, three four, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I think at most week three. Um, you know, of trying and really working with her. And I feel like the logging has thrown a wrench in it. So I'm giving us, like, extra time. I guess what I'm really curious to figure out now is, like, once we, you know, she's already kind of, She's um, equalized or whatever, her milk supply for the baby. So when we step in and start trying to get milk, what is that going to look like? Are we even going to be able to get any? Right. Um, and so then we yeah. have to take the baby away, which is going to like make her a whole nother level. Not trust us again. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a <laughs> long journey. So well, thought- and the thing about too, like I, you know, when we have done goats before. I mean, the goats are manageable. We we can strap a goat down and hold a goat down, but you cannot yeah. do this. Cow has to be in compliance. We watched a video the other day of this guy milking sheep, and he would literally put the sheep like they would walk up to him head first. He'd put them between his, oh yeah the legs. head between his legs and like bend over and milk the sheep from the backside, <laughs> and then just let it go and then do the next one. And I was like, oh my gosh. If we could do that with Liesl, it would be a game changer. But His legs essentially were the head game. Yeah, <laughs> it was genius, but also made my back hurt. Yeah. Just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, but he was like 103 or something. That's true. So maybe yeah. it's the way to go. Right. So that's our current journey on the milking process. I thought we would share that. That's real life uh, homesteading. I feel like, you know, you see all these things where people get cows and then they're like, I mean, you look on YouTube and it's like how to milk a cow in six days or six hours or six minutes. <laughs> and it's like, all right, there, there's more to it. It's hard. And um, surely we're not the first ones to, I know we're not, to be starting from zero or maybe negative. I don't know. But um, yeah, so follow us along on the journey. We'll keep you updated as we continue the process of trying to milk her or giving up either way.